Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. I um I want to share today the title of my message is called Overcoming Fear and Disappointment. Overcoming Fear and Disappointment. And, and I think in part I was stirred last week. We had the ordination service for Caitlin and Lachlan and Merrily and Sherwin. And I was just stirred, um, just even in the midst of that, just feeling the spirit of God so strongly on them and, like, and, and, and the prayers for them. And just like, God, like, how do we, how do we raise each other up? How do we, and, and, and I mean collectively, how do we as the body of Christ, looking at, just look around the room. How do you raise up one another in this room how do we raise each other up that we would run the race for Jesus all the days of our life, that we would be sharp and burning for God, that you would, you would look at people in this room, you, you would like call them up, maybe we don't live here anymore, I don't know, wherever we are, when you're like 80, 90, 100 years old, and we're just like, you know what, I'm burning for Jesus, how are you doing? I'm burning for Jesus, I love him more today than I did when we were in New York 50 years ago. Like, like that's the type of, like, passion that God has for his people, and, and, and that's the passion that we are to have for one another. God, would, would you help us to run the race, to be burning all the days of our life? And so I think one way that is really critical for us to do that is to know how to navigate fear and disappointment. Fear and disappointment will get in the way of your growth. It will get in the way of your burning, but it won't stop you. And so I want to give you just some, some encouragement today. I'm going to be going through the life of David, particularly looking at how he engaged with fear and how God led him out of fear um, into, into new places. But this topic of fear, it's not a light topic, and, it, and it's, it's so prevalent in Scripture, it makes you want to talk about it more. Did you know that the fear of the Lord is the most prevalent, like, or not the fear of the Lord, but like the statement of not fearing is the most prevalent statement in Scripture? It's in the Bible over a hundred times. It stated some form of do not fear. And the exact words, do not be afraid, that's stated in, in the NIV 70 times. 70 times God says in his word, do not be afraid. Why is he saying it on repeat? Because fear is a big problem in the human heart. And, and if you look, even the next time you, you catch that verse, like a verse that says, do not be afraid, look at what follows it. Because almost always in the scriptures, the preceding verses are God saying the action that he's going to bring or the promise that he will one day bring something that's going to challenge the fear that you are feeling in your heart. So in scriptures, he's bringing it up because it's a real problem, but he's got real solutions to your problem. He, he's got a real, he's coming to counter the fear that would try to plague the sons and daughters of man. It's what he does. And so I think sometimes we can get, we, we kind of have a spectrum. Some people, they're really good at figuring out their fear. Like, they're no, they know their fear. And, and, and they will bring it to God. And other people... They, they're not so good at knowing <laughs> their fear. <laughs> there's, there's a spectrum where some people understand their fear and they bring it to the Lord. And some people, they just want to be strong. But fear is just running all over their life. And so I want to find this middle ground where we can get to this art of I'm going to take my fear before the Lord. But not only am I going to bring it before the Lord, I'm going to recognize that he can respond to the fear that I bring him. 
Because there's other type of people, we can bring fear to God all day, but is anything changing? Is it changing? And if it's not changing, I would propose to you, you're not probably bringing, you're, you're not, you don't know how to receive what God wants to pour out in response to your fear. So we can be on different spectrums, but God, would you develop in our company, in this house, this rhythm of bringing our fear to you, but then being able to hear you respond and receive what you have in response to our fear. You know, God's presence in the form of Jesus Christ is his ultimate answer to fear. God's presence, and we've been talking about God's presence a lot over the past month or so, the presence of God on the earth, the presence of God manifested in Jesus is God's response to the fear that embodies men. We're, we're afraid, we're weak, we're broken, we have sin, we're, we're destitute, we're hopeless, and God says, here's my son, I'm going to put him on the earth, I'm going to send you God in the flesh And he's going to come and bring hope. He's going to pardon your sins. He's going to bring connection back to God the Father. That is God's response to fear. It's Jesus Christ himself. And and that's why when we're here in worship and prayer, we're constantly constantly trying to set our gaze on Jesus. This worship team up here, they're not here to try to perform. They're here to set their gaze on Jesus and lead all of us into this procession of worshiping the king, of seeing him rightly. Because How many of you know when you see him rightly, fear begins to strip away? If you were here Friday night and I was here, I I was feeling it, man. There's fear in my life. There's fear from this season, and God was stripping it off of me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't understand. I wasn't seeking it. I was seeking his face. I was being led by the worship in to see Jesus, and in that place, there's deliverance from fear. Just just naturally. It, it It just falls away when you see his glory, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, gaze into his face, and the things of this earth, how about the fears of this earth, I'll add that, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what we're doing. That's why we worship. And so if you don't hear anything from me today, hear this. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the one who destroys fear. He is the one who has conquered fear, and he is our greatest reason for hope in the time of fear. So when I was, um, Vanessa, my wife, she she tells me this story, and her family, they love to tell this story, and it's one of my favorites. So when she was a kid growing up, she was in California, and they had a pool out back, and she was there as a little kid. Um, she couldn't swim at the time, and she's like reaching into the pool, trying to get a ball, you know, trying to get a toy, and, and no one's out there at the, at the moment. And she goes and reaches for the toy and literally loses her balance, dips in the pool. And in the midst of that, my father-in-law, Ed, which some of you know, he had just come home from work. He's in his full work outfit. You know, he's probably wearing a suit and a tie and khakis and the whole bit. And, and he sees what happens. Like, he watches her fall in, and he takes off running, jumps in the pool, you know, with, with every wallet. And I don't think they had phones back then, but if he had a phone, it would have been in the pool as well. Like, he just d- dives in and rescues and pulls her out. And so it's a story that they love to tell. And And in worship this week, as I was thinking about this message and preparing for it, God took me back to this story from my wife. And I just saw that picture, and I think it relates to where some of us are at. And think of yourself, you're falling in this pool, right? You're a child, you can't swim. And yet, as you're going into the pool, right, you look up and you see your father has arrived. Your father is near. And so you go in, and, and, and fear is up to your eyeballs, like, like the waters are, are coming up, right, and you can't swim. But you know that man standing outside of that pool, he's going to jump in this pool and save me. 
So I know I'm in, I know I'm in trouble. Like, I know I can't swim, but that man, there's no way he's going to stand on the edge and watch me drown. Some of you need to hear that today. In the midst of your fear, you have a faithful God. You have a faithful witness. He's been faithful to you time and time and time again. So even when you feel those waters rising, you got to know Jesus is faithful. Jesus will jump in that pool and he will save you. And the reality is he already has. His blood already has cleansed you. But you need to hear it again to be reminded because how many know fear comes in these waves. And you can forget where he saved you yesterday and all of a sudden you think you're going to drown today. But he will save you time and time again. He came and he died. He came and he rose again and he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. And that's me and that's you when we align ourselves with him. So I want to talk a bit about David today, how he overcame fear and how he walked through trials and fear, um, some intense fear. So just a few points that I want to make related to, to David um, and fear. Well, just one real quick. How many know that David preceded King Saul? So King Saul was the first king that was anointed by Israel, um, and certainly he had a lot of flaws. And so one of the big problems in Saul's heart was the fear of man. So Saul dealt with the fear of man pretty readily, and it corrupted and destroyed his entire kingdom. His kingdom was taken away from him for the fear of man. So God comes, and he anoints King David. While Saul is still king, mind you, David is anointed, and now David begins this season of preparation to take the throne. But how many know that season was terrible? It was awful in, in every way, shape, or form. But God was shaping David in the midst of that season to be a king that would not fear men, that would, that would not fear the things of the world like his predecessor did, like King Saul. But he'd do it in a way that was not fun. He would do it in a way that there was pressing, there was trial, there was fear, but God was shaping a king. So if you look, turn with me to 1 Samuel 21, starting at verse 9. So the first point that I have regarding fear, we see in the life of David, is that fear can consume you. Coming into 1 Samuel 21, David is consumed by fear. And, and we know this because Saul was trying to kill him. Saul was running around, chasing him, trying to kill him. And so he is, he's a man who feels like he's on death row. Um, now multiple times he's had run-ins with Saul. His heart's unsettled. He's looking for security. He's looking for peace. He's looking for, for, for anything um, hopeful right now. So 1 Samuel 21, starting at verse 1. David went to Nob, to Habimelech the priest. Ahimelech, I said it wrong, now I said it right. Ahimelech trembled when he met him, and he asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, the king has sent me on a mission, and he said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. By the way, he lied. As for my men, I have told them to meet at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here. Provide the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, indeed, the women have, kept, the women have been kept from us. And as usual, whenever I, whenever I sent out, the men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. 
David asked Ahimelech, do you have a spear or sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. He lied. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, he is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod, or it is here. If you want it, take it, and there is no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. David is desperate. David is consumed with fear, and you can see it by his choices. They're very uncharacteristic of David up to this point. So what does David do? He rolls into the town of the priest. In his previous, you know, biblical journey, he, he rolls in to the priest to seek God. But in this stance, he rolls into the priest to seek security, to seek bread, and actually to seek weapons. So he's coming to the priest of the house of the Lord, but he's coming with a posture of someone who doesn't even know the Lord. He, he's coming like, like someone who's fighting in the world, not someone who God has anointed, who God is on his side, and God has delivered time and time and time again. He's consumed with fear. So he eats the bread of the presence. He lies continually to the priests about what he's doing, and he sees this guy Doeg. So his name, Doeg's name, means fearful, feared one. And he's Saul's head shepherd, and fear wells up in David in the midst of this moment, realizing this guy, you find out later, this guy is going to tattle on David. He's going to tell that he was there. Fear wells up, and he says, give me a sword. Get, actually, give me Goliath's sword. I'll take that. That'll protect me. He's consumed by fear. See, when you're consumed by fear, the way David was, the way maybe some of you can relate, you forget who you are. You forget your history with God. You forget how he's delivered you, the things he's done, and you begin to act like the world, to protect yourself through the weapons of the world, to use the people of the world, to lie and cheat and steal so that you feel protected. The problem is you're consumed by fear. Let's look back four chapters earlier. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. This is just four chapters before this occurrence, and this is when David is taking on Goliath himself. He's fighting the Philistine Goliath, and here's what David says to him. Verse uh, 45, 1 Samuel 17, 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is in the Lord's. Is, in, is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Now that's the David I like. That's David operating under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. David in the Spirit versus the previous David, four chapters later, David in the flesh. David consumed by fear, forgetting who he is, forgetting how to fight, forgetting how he's won his battles, and going back to how the world would fight, how the world would battle, how the enemy he defeated battled. 
Fear can cause you to do the opposite of what you know is correct. It can bait you to respond in your own strength. I want to encourage some of you today. You need to go back four chapters in your life. You need to look back in the things that God has said, the things that he's done, so that you can hold steady when fear comes knocking at your door. I really believe that. I believe there are, there are, there, there's history, there's testimonies in this room that it's going to give you strength in the season where fear is really creeping in. And if David would have looked back, and I propose if David would have had other people around him that would have reminded him of the past, perhaps he could have avoided the situation. So number one, fear can consume you. Number two, fear can cause you to check out. We're going to keep reading 1 Samuel 21. We're skipping, we're just going right through to verse 10. So David now is on his way to Gath. By the way, Gath is where the Philistines are at, the, the enemies of God. Gath is where Goliath himself is from. He's from Gath. And so here David, still in his distress and fear, is fleeing to Gath. That day David fled from Saul and went to Ashish, the king of Gath. But the servant of Ashish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands? David took these words to heart. Catch that. To heart. He let a man's words get into his heart. And he was very much afraid of King Ashach of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. And the king said to his servants, look at this man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? I love his response. It's like, and now it's in the Bible. It's like forever people are going to read this. (laughs) So in this case, David's fear is so intense that it causes him to actually check out, right? He is completely checked out. He's disassociating with his own self, and he becomes another person altogether. I mean, this is an embarrassing thing, and now we get to read about it thousands of years later. Um, But I want to point this out. Like, he's in this situation, right? He's disassociating, and some of us, you can relate, right? Fear comes knocking at your door, and it's so intense you just want to remove yourself. You just want to get out, and you want to cut out, and you're maybe there with people, but you're not really there. Like, you maybe don't go as far as, as, as David did, but you're really just disconnected because it hurts too much to feel. So that's where David is, and I think we can relate with him on that level. But look where David positioned himself. David is in the camp of the enemy. David goes to the camp of the enemy, and that's where all of this is transpiring. I think sometimes we deal with these measures of fear that are so intense, but we need to look at how we got to that place. What are the things, where are we finding our refuge? And if you're finding your refuge in the, in the enemy's spoils, in the enemy's camp, well, no wonder you're, 
you disassociate. No wonder the, the fear is increasing. Like, we, we need to be, be more aware of the things that we're doing um, that do not produce godliness. The, the vices that we're, we're drawn to, um, that, that we really should fear those instead of fearing that the person we're running from. And he didn't fear the very thing in front of him that was trying to kill him. And that, the Philistines, the vices of men, they're trying to kill you. They're trying to destroy you. And yet sometimes we run to these false refuges and we say, would you hold me? Would you keep me? I mean, and this could be anything, right? This could be relationships. This could be substances. This could be jobs and careers that you shouldn't be in. This could be toxic people that you surround yourself with. And it makes you feel for a moment, oh, like, like this is calming my fear. But then all of a sudden the fear just increases and it enrages and, and, it, and you're like, oh, why, why is it, God, why are you bringing this on me? Because you, you've encamped yourself with the enemy. Not that people or situations are the enemy. The enemy is Satan himself. An enemy is darkness. But you've aligned yourself with people that don't know God and are operating in darkness, and you've allowed it to get into your heart. And that's what David did. He allowed darkness into his heart, and it almost destroyed him. So number one, fear can consume you. Number two, fear can cause you to check out. Number three, fear can draw you near to God. The beauty of God is he's a master at playing the devil. And I love this about God so much. The devil and all the powers of darkness, they think that if they capture you in fear, they've got you. But David, in his place of fear, in, in his weakness, in his brokenness, actually encountered God at a level that transformed David's entire life. That place of fear calls David to draw near to God. And in drawing near, he was transformed and delivered. The cool thing about David's life in Scripture is you get to see both the outside and the inside. You get to see the biblical narrative, which I'm reading to you, but then you get to juxtapose that with the Psalms, which are David's heart on full display. And so in the midst of this moment, right, with the king of the Philistines, David pens two Psalms, and I'm going to read one for you today, because we need to see what God was doing in the heart of David in this moment of intense fear and how God turned the whole situation on its head to actually empower and equip a king to do the things that he'd been called to do. So turn with me to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is this moment, and of course we don't know exactly when this takes place, but it's connected with this very moment where David acted insane. One of the lowest moments of his life. Psalm 34, starting at verse one, says this. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. 
Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. David found God in the midst of this fearful, terrible, embarrassing moment. I'm telling you, if you're dealing with heavy waves of fear, you're in an opportune moment to experience the goodness and mercy, the power, the delight, the intimacy of God. Your position right where David was. And, and what he's getting, like, like this psalm, just to give it some, some context, like this psalm is some of the richest revelation in all of Scripture. This psalm is quoted by Jesus himself in the Beatitudes. This psalm is quoted by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter. This psalm has messianic prophecy built into it. So this guy who just acted insane, who just made himself look like a fool, just got powerful, deep, rich revelation of the coming of Christ in this weak, terrible moment. God, would you do it in us? God, would you do it in our place of fear? Would you pour out your, your, your peace, your delight, your revelation knowledge? In our place of weakness and embarrassment, where the whole world could look at us and laugh. We're kind of laughing at David today. But David said, no, in that place, that's where I got intimacy with God. That's where I got delivered. And not only did I get delivered, he got delivered from fear, but he actually received the fear of the Lord, which would mark his whole life, which would allow him to actually be a king Saul can never be. So in that moment is when the transference happened. That's when the exchange a fear of man for fear of God was put deep in his heart. And you see it play out in his life. They say, oh, he's set up to kill Saul, right? He's in the cave, and Saul's in there, and Saul's going to the bathroom, doing his thing, and David is right there. And everybody's like, kill him, kill him, take the throne, take the anointing. He's like, I'm already anointed, and I fear God. I'll not touch this man. Where do you think he got the fear of God? He got it in this place. He got it in this moment. God, we need to fear you. God, we need to know you. Would you meet us in our place of fear? Would you shape us as leaders? We are called to be leaders in this city. We are called to stand strong in this hour. And we need God to shape and mold us through our fear, in the midst of our fear, and give us the fear of the Lord that we may finish the race he's given us to run. See, David was not disqualified because of his fear. His anointing didn't depart. He, he, the people didn't all of a sudden stop being led by him. He, in the midst of fear, God met him, and it did not disqualify him. Some of you need to hear that. Even if you act crazy, even if you've been disassociated, you've been consumed by fear, doesn't change that God's calling and how God can use you. In fact, you might be well-positioned to fulfill that calling because of the fear that's come into your life. If you lean in. If you lean into him. If you receive what he wants to do. David still had to come and say, Cry out to God. God, deliver me. I can't even imagine what he's feeling. God, deliver me. And he says he delivered him of all of his fear. Of all of his fear. I want to read, talk a little more quickly about, about the fear of the Lord, just to give us a little more concept. Um, now, Bill had, had shared twice, I believe, on the fear of the Lord this year. And I think, it, I, you know, whenever you hear Bill talk about the fear of the Lord at the beginning of the year, you're like, oh, boy, here we go. And, and, and I, I really believe it's a theme that God is, is weaving in because it's so critical in this hour that we live in. And it was coming up in the prayer sets recently. And so that's what really quickened it to me. And I was feeling it, sensing it in prayer. 
And then Tammy started praying, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like the fear of the Lord is what we need in this season. We, we, must, we must rest on this reality. But I want to I detail it a bit. So Psalm 33, starting at verse uh, 18, if you just turn there with me real quick. Just to give a little more flavor, when we hear that word fear, we connect it with God, it gets a little messy in our minds because of how we think of fear. But just to give some clarifying points, Psalm 33, verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. He's looking at those who fear him. On those, catch this, who hope in his steadfast love. To fear God is to recognize and hope in the love of God. Fear and love, we can see, is two stark things. But when it's God, with the fear of God, it's an understanding of his love. And his eyes are actually on those who fear him, who acknowledge him, who live their life according to him. And catch this, that he may, what, deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Isn't that what David experienced? David was on the verge of death. He was trying to be killed by Saul. He was going to be killed by his fear. And in that moment, God delivered him with the fear of the Lord. He put it in his heart. And he kept his eyes set on God in the midst of his fear. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. You know, the spirit of the fear of the Lord is, is part of the Holy Spirit. If you check out Isaiah 11, it talks about um, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might. There's seven different spirits that exemplify the Holy Spirit and, and are found in Christ himself. So God, Jesus, this is a messianic prophecy, Isaiah 11, one, that Jesus would operate in the spirit of the fear of the Lord not only did he operate, it's that he delighted in the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is not something that's scary. It's something that is necessary. It's not something that pushes you away from God. It's something that, that draws you near to him. It, 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 it reveals his loving kindness and his goodness. It's not a fear that like, ah, oh, I'm terrified. I'll, I'll, I won't touch you. No, I'm going to come near to you. I'm going to build my life around you. I'm going to be safe and secure because of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord helps you and me to stay the course. I think it's essential for leaders in the body of Christ to have the fear of the Lord so that we may stay the course, so that we may run the race. So we're that 80, 90, 100-year-old burning for Jesus. Some of you, God has given you those assignments, right? Those four chapters ago type of assignments, and you need the fear of the Lord in this season to not get off your assignment. Some of you, God has highlighted Israel. He's highlighted you to pray for Israel long before this war even, even reared up. And you need to stay the course in the season. Don't let your eyes go to and fro. Know what God has called you. Know what he said and stay the course. See, the fear of the Lord, I believe it really makes things a lot simpler in life. Because in the world we live in right now, there's so much access to information, right? I can go right now on my phone and find everything wrong in the world. I can find lots of things. And, and all those things that I find wrong, apparently I'm supposed to have really succinct answers to, to answer other people, to tell them why those things are wrong and how I would respond. Like, I'm supposed to have, be, be, I'm supposed to basically be like God, right? Weigh in on every situation in the planet and, and give a right, fair approach. But the fear of the Lord kind of removes all that nonsense. It says, I don't have to do all this political, like, posturing. I don't got to do any of that. You know what I need to do? I need to do what God told me to do because I fear him. I don't fear man. I don't feel, fear this church. I, I don't look up to anybody but God himself. So he directs my path, he directs my steps, and I'm going to focus on what he said to do. So if God says, pray for Israel and just be with your family and just do that for 40 years, well, I'm going to do that. 
Well, but, 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 but what about this other stuff? What about this? What about that? Like what, you know, you're not doing, you're not being a real Christian. No, I'm being faithful to what God told me to do. I'm not fearing, man, I'm not comparing myself to other people. They can do that and I will pray for that. I will put money in that. I will invest in that. But here's what God's called me to do. So I want to encourage you, get the fear of the Lord. Do not give in to this comparison of men and try to build ministries and businesses based on what you want other people to think about you. Build them based on what God called you to do. It'll save you a lot of trouble, and it will allow you to delight in God and the assignment that God's given you versus trying to do 20 million assignments that nobody can do right. (laughs) You know, I love, I talked about uh, last month, I was talking about Isaiah, right? And Isaiah is, Isaiah is chapter six, and he comes before the Lord, right, and, and, and the holiness and the wonder of God, and he cries out, woe is me, right? Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. He, he, he experiences the fear of the Lord in, in an intense measure, right, in a, in a vision. But what happens in that moment? He actually gets commissioned. He actually gets steadied to go and do the very things. I really believe the fear of the Lord is connected to our commissioning, our sending, and our ability to run the race for the long haul. Worship team, could you guys come on up for me, please? So how do you know if you're walking in the fear of the Lord or the fear of man? I'm going to give you two two ways to to assess, all right? Number one, how do you know if you're walking in the fear of man or the fear of the Lord? Look how you fight your battles. How do you fight your battles? If you are fighting from a place of fear... First of all, you might not just fight at all. You're just going to roll over and go to bed. <laughs> it's like, this is too much. I'm checking out and doing the David crazy thing. I'm not going to fight. The other thing you might do is you might fight with anger, right? You see things going on in the world. You, you know God's called you to be a part of it. You're, you're missional, but you're going to fight with anger because you're, you're fighting from a place of fear. Secondly, you could fight with a place of desperation. You're going to beat against the wind. Once again, you're going to try to do it all, be it all, like do it for Jesus, but you're really doing it out of fear. Let's be real. Fight from your own strength, right? You're gonna do you're gonna do what David did. You try to get a sword, you're gonna try to you're gonna wear yourself out. Like in fact, you're not gonna sleep very much. So one side you're gonna sleep all the time, right? Because you're just checked out. I'm sleeping all the time. The other side, you're not gonna sleep because you're doing it on your strength. You're not doing it out of rest. You're not doing it out of his call. You're not doing it out of fear of the Lord. The last one, you're gonna fight with no discernment. You're just gonna be swinging at everything that doesn't look like Jesus. <laughs> like, I'm going to take that down. I'm going to take that down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire away on social media. I'm going to get these people because the kingdom is coming. But have you gotten a word? Have you heard? Are you connected with his heart? Have you cried out to him for deliverance from fear? Are you fighting from a place of fear? And lastly, you're going to have a door open for all kinds of envy, disunity, and evil of every kind. If you allow fear in your heart like David did, it creates disunity. You come against your brothers and sisters instead of uniting with them. All right, so that's if you're operating from a place of fear. How about if you're operating from the fear of the Lord? How do you fight your battles? You fight with truth, and you fight with prayer. You start off fighting with prayer. You fight with gentleness, and you fight with respect. You embody the fruits of God's spirit. You fight from God's strength, trusting in God's judgment, beyond what you can see, beyond what manifests in front of you, Because you're confident that he's with you and he will do what he said he's going to do. 
You fight from a place of conviction, not only regarding what you were fighting for, but how are you conducting yourself in the midst of battling? And lastly, you fight with unity. You unify with your brothers and sisters. You don't war against them. You don't attack them. You hold to the character of God. You, you hold to the word of God, and how it directs you to respond to the people of God. So that's check number one. How do you fight? Check number two, what's the posture of your heart? Even as Keith was, was talking today and we were, we were worshiping, how do you hold the things in your life? How do you hold money? How do you hold things that are even precious good things? How do you hold your crowns? Are you willing to lay them down at the, at the feet of Jesus? Or are they too precious? Are they, are they, do you hold them tight, tight to your chest? That'll tell you if you have fear or you have the fear of the Lord. That's a great barometer. You know, Abraham himself was the first person that God ever said had the fear of God. And he, he said it to him in response to him sacrificing or taking his son Isaac to be sacrificed on the mountain. He said, you know what? Now, Abraham, I know that you fear me because you withhold nothing from me. I feel like there's, there's something, um, something I, I feel like God was showing me this week that's really important on this topic that I, I want to share briefly. We want, to, we want a culture in this house. We want to develop a culture of the fear of God. Like, like we want to see that manifest in your life and in each of our lives as, as the pastors here. We want to develop that. And I really do feel like in order to develop that, we need to get to a place, I think we're getting there, where there... We are a family that is safe, like a family where you can share your fears, you can share your hurts, you can share your pains. Even this message, if you're feeling convicted, there's things coming to your heart where you can confess, we can confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. We need, the church needs to be a place where that confession can be freely given and it's juxtaposed with if you come to me or if I come to you and I share my heart and I share my fear, I share my issues, that you're going to hear me, you're going to give me grace, but you're also going to call me into who God's made me to be. So you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to shame me, but you're also not going to appease the sin or the things in my life that I'm being convicted by. You say, that is the Lord. That's not who you are. God's called you to this. So we, we, we need a family. We need a, we need a family where the, that is safe for us to do that, that the fear of the Lord may be cultivated in this community. Because God, I'm telling you, in the presence that we're experiencing, in the worship, often, if you're not checked out, he's going to bring a conviction to your heart. I get some of the strongest convictions in the place of worship, right? Fear gets delivered, but then there's a repentance that needs to come. And I think it, it would be healthy of us so that we're all not just repenting to God individually, but we can even confess and repent to one another that we may be healed and strengthened for the season ahead, that we may overcome and be delivered from fear and find a blessing in return, find that our hearts are fortified like David. Not only did we get delivered from fear, but we found a brother and sister, but we found our identity. We, 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 we understood who we were in God, even in the midst of our deliverance. Could everybody stand for me, please?
I'm going to share one last thing, and then we're going to go into prayer. So some of you that knew me before I was married, I had a, um, I had a problem waking up. I slept way too much, and I could not wake up. I was just a deep sleeper, and I was always sleeping through alarms and always missing my classes and doing stuff. So my parents got smart, and they bought me this fancy new alarm clock, and the alarm clock had wheels on it. You ever seen an alarm clock with wheels? Maybe it's just me, but I, I needed one. So they gave me an alarm clock with wheels, and they put it up on my dresser. And whenever it would go off, it would roll off your bed, and it would run around and hide in your room in random places, right? And so this thing would wake up at 7 a.m. or whatever, and it would run around my room. And I would still just sleep through the thing, or I just couldn't find it, right? I'm just searching. I'm like, I hear this thing. And all my buddies, they're like, Colt, would you get your alarm clock? Like, it's waking the whole house up, and I just can't find it. But either way. I feel like the Lord just bringing me to that story. I was thinking about that story and saying, you know what? There's people here, and I, I'm telling you, like, some of you are going to resonate with this. Within your heart, right, there are alarms going off in this season. I mean hidden alarms, deep things in your soul. Fear, disappointment. And they're going off, and you don't understand how to turn them off. You're like, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what this is, but I can't get rid of it. And it's driving my behavior, and it's starting to consume me. And so some might be a little more intense and some a little less, but I believe there's these, these fear, these alarms are going off in this season. And some, it's related to disappointment. You know, disappointment is, I, I found myself very disappointed at times in my life. And in those moments, I'm the most prone to fear I've ever been. Because when you're disappointed... You have skin in the game. When you're disappointed, you're invested. There's an expectation in a person, in a situation, in an institution, in something that gets broken, that gets damaged. And when you go through a damaging like situation like that where you are disappointed, you are open to fear. Your heart is open to fear. And I believe some of you, you're in that place, but God is going to meet you in this place. He's going to come and heal that part of your heart. You're, you're going to cry out like, David, God delivered me from this fear, even that I don't understand. You don't have to know it. You just have to bring it to him. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.